brother i'm grace hello brother i'm stephanie and this is doppelgangers today we're talking about season seven episode nine of the vampire diaries which is called cold as ice and i do think of the christmas episodes we've seen this is the most christmassy so it is very fun that this episode is dropping on christmas day merry christmas Synchronicity. Synchronicity. But this is a good time to do some housekeeping, which is to say we will be taking next week off. There will not be a new episode next week. One, to celebrate the holidays. But two, because we are taking a very special trip to Covington, Georgia. We are so excited. I'm thrilled. Can't wait to get my hands on a, a Mystic Grilled Chicken Club. If they do indeed sell that. I looked at the menu. I think they have turkey clubs, but I'll take it. But don't tell me it's turkey on the Instagram caption that says chicken. <laughs> uh, we do have t-shirts. We have matching outfits. If any of you are near Covington and want to do a little fan meetup, you're welcome to meet us there. <laughs> we'll be there. Yeah, we'll be in Covington on New Year's Eve. What a way to end out 2023. A beautiful way to end the year. But we won't be releasing an episode because we'll be busy in Mystic Falls. In Mystic Falls, looking for Stefan and Damon. Hunting down, hunting down our boys. After this week, I don't really know if I want to look for Stefan, but (laughs) someone's got to. (laughs) Someone has to care about him. Not me, though. (laughs) Y'all be easy. (laughs) (laughs) A lot to get into on this magical Christmas day. But before we get into any of it, here's a quick ad. As always, I will start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. With the holidays in full swing, a search for Julian leads Damon and Stefan to a small town outside of Mystic Falls. (laughs) Outside? It's like across the country. He got in a plane. He (laughs) said it himself. I guess that's technically outside of Mystic Falls, but you know what you're saying there, and you know what's wrong. It's outside of Mystic Falls the same way Whitmore is outside of Mystic Falls, which is to say it's somewhere. Don't ask where. We actually don't know, and we won't be consistent about it. And we're not going to confirm it, because what's the point? (laughs) While managing a holiday toy drive at Whitmore College, Bonnie seeks to help Nora, and the two strike up an unlikely friendship. I wish it was more. I know. Let's get another kiss in there for Miss Bonnie. Let's get these two kissing. They're so pretty. I've had enough of the straight couples. And let's get Nora away from Mary Louise, because Mary Louise is in the gutter right now, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) The only reason we have to stand Mary Louise is because we're standing Nora. It's a contact stand. Yeah, it's a contact stand. (laughs) But now she's losing me. No, sorry. Elsewhere. Caroline does her best to navigate her new life as a pregnant vampire, while Alert grows concerned that the pregnancy is affecting her more than she's letting on. You think? I can't handle, like, how stupid it sounds. Like, navigating her new life as a pregnant vampire. This is what people who make fun of this show say, and I can't defend this. Look, I will defend the Vampire Diaries against pretty much anything, but when we get to season seven, it's like, if you are arguing to me that the show is bad because of season seven, you're not arguing in good faith, and you shouldn't be allowed to bring it up. Like, no one is under the impression that this is a good season of this show. Yeah. Finally, after finding himself at odds with Damon, Stefan is forced to take matters into his own hands, setting off a tragic chain of events that leaves their lives changed forever. 
I wouldn't call that forced. I think he very much made that bad, bad choice after bad, bad choice. Yeah, this is just not great behavior from Stefan. What else is fucking surprising? I mean, come on. We open the episode, and you know it's about to be some bullshit, because not only are we three years from now, we're in Chicago. And one thing about Stefan, we know he has a place in Chicago. Yeah, his little sad sack cave is in Chicago. And, and who is in Stefan's sad-ass apartment but fucking sad-ass Valerie? I literally want to kill myself. And from the start of seeing her, I'm like, okay, I feel like there's a chance they're going to make them kiss, but I, the whole time I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't. It's concerning enough that A, Valerie's alive in the time jump, and B, that Stefan and Valerie are still hanging out. Yeah. What do you need from that friendship? I really thought Valerie was going to be dead. I'm shocked she's alive. And frankly, I'll say this. There was a moment where I was like, oh, she's not alive. That was a glimpse into Stefan's life in the Phoenix Stone. But it said three years from now. <laughs> so I only held on to that for a second. That, you you got to hope for something like that. Valerie says, Stefan, you can't go. And Stefan says... She has Damon and Caroline. And Valerie says, because she wants you. Valerie said, fuck those two. <laughs> Valerie said, who the hell gives a fuck about Caroline anymore? Didn't you pick me? Valerie's like, have we been caring about Damon? <laughs> Stefan says, okay, well then she's going to get me. Um, oh, and I burned my Porsche, so I need to use power your car. <laughs> Not beating the deadbeat boyfriend allegations. And we can assume that, you know, Stefan's talking about that same lady who has been hunting everybody in three years. Yeah. Valerie says, I'm coming with you. That would be useful, actually. Yeah, actually, based off the events we watched today, maybe you guys should, you know, if you have a common goal, both put some fucking work in. Valerie loves to just sit around and be like, when is Julian going to die already? Like, she can't use an aneurysm spell and, and pull his heart out. I, I'm so confused why Valerie's not doing shit. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to work these days. It really is. She's like, Julian needs to die. Stefan, what's the fucking hold up? <laughs> Julian needs to die. Stefan, can you do that? Yeah, what's the ETA? Damon, you need to put some work in. Valerie, it's your fucking baby that started this whole bullshit. Like, get off your ass. Damon has literally no voice in this race except to be nice to his own fucking brother. Who is just dragging him all week this week for no reason when Damon's right, by the Look, way. Look, you guys know I'm a Stefan Stan. I'm always going to defend Stefan, and I do have some ways to defend Stefan this week. I, I'll get into those. Uh, no, I don't have all these ways. But this is, I would say, probably the hardest time in the whole show to be a Stefan Stan. Each episode worse than the last. I felt bad for you watching this because I was like, this has to be so hard to be a Stefan girly watching him act like this. Not that Stefan hasn't done some bullshit that's hard to defend in the past, but damn, this week hurts. This is making a Stefan stan wish for Savannah. Literally. <laughs> Savannah was nothing compared to this. Stefan says, no, you're not coming with me. He says, no, stay on your ass like usual, you bitch. And as soon as he says that, it's like, oh no, what's he going to say next? And then he says, she already has two people I care about. I'm not going to let her have a third. Oh, no, 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 no. Please tell me the third is someone else. Please tell me the third is Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie says, if anything happens to you, I will rain hell down on anyone responsible. Except I won't because I have to get off my ass. <laughs> I will rain hell on everyone responsible. Who I will comes to this apartment? I will tell the other guy who impregnated me to go kill them. Literally. Stefan smiles. And I don't smile. Just wipe that uh, shit off your face, bitch. And he says, don't be so dramatic. And then they kiss. Gag. And I jump off a building. <laughs> Gag derogatory. Gag derogatory. Um, Stefan says, I'll be back before you know it. And he goes. And she's all sad because... He's going to chase after the true love of his life, who 
if last I checked, wasn't your ass, Valerie. <laughs> well, like, let's be honest. I'll be back before you know it. You want to jinx it a little more, Stefan? <laughs> like, if you don't die, Valerie's certainly going to die. A girl can dream. <laughs> we go to the present. and Finally. I know, finally. And then we are at the graveyard. And it's snowing. Mm. Cute. And the, the coffin walks in. And Stephanie said, Merry Christmas, Elena. I thought they were having a little Christmas celebration with their dear, dear friend, Elena. And I said, no, that's the lady who died last week. That's the one who we would. it would make sense to have a funeral for, you dumbass. The Salvatores are carrying a coffin to outside of the Salvatore crypt where there's a hole. So they're not even putting her in the crypt. Uh, they're real for that. Mm-hmm. And Valerie and Nora are also there. Damon says, well, is this it? This is the whole funeral party? Because one thing about Damon, no one's having a heartfelt funeral. He's like, no, I'm going to actually ruin the vibes here, just like I ruined the vibes on her deathbed. He had to take time out of his day to be here. He's going to make it everyone else's problem. Uh, So he turns to Nora and he says, where's your girlfriend? And Nora says, yeah, that's not your concern. And Damon says, oh, trouble in paradise. And Stefan says, you know, what about Julian? Where is he? Were you really going to kill Julian at Lily's funeral? Well, and do you think Julian would be dumb enough to come to Lily's funeral? Like, please, he doesn't like you guys. Nora says, I haven't heard from either of them in days. I sided with Lily, or did you forget? Valerie says, it's just us. Bo couldn't bring himself to say goodbye. Julie Pleck, you will be dealt with for not letting Bo act his ass off at this funeral. They brought him in for the funeral, and they're like, Bo, you're pulling focus. We, we can't have you in this you're scene. You're stealing the show. You to get out of here. Because he was acting like the end of a Shakespeare play, and they were like, <laughs> it's too serious to you. We we can't afford to pay you if you're going to pull focus from all the characters we care about more. Literally. Damon says, I'm sure he just couldn't find the right words to say. Classic mute joke. <laughs> Damon says, all right, let's get her done. <laughs> and Stefan says, we should say something. And Damon says, mm, no, I don't think we should. Damon says, I said what I had to say. You heard it. Nora says, yes, we should. So Nora steps forward to the coffin. And she says, when I was a girl, I loved my mother deeply. And she loved me too, until she found out about my little siphoning problem. If she only knew that was just one of the things that made me different. When she turned her back on me, I thought I'd never find that kind of love again. You proved me wrong. Thank you, Lily. Beautiful, beautiful speech. Very sweet. You know, as much as Lily is bullshit, she meant a lot to these people in a way, and it is heartwarming to see that. Yeah. So Nora steps away. Damon says, next. Valerie <laughs> comes. And Valerie says, you knew me at my brightest and my darkest. Except not really my darkest, because I kept a secret from you for 100 years. Yeah, she says, that ended up being your downfall. She says, no matter what my mood, you always saw the light in me. Um, I seem to remember <laughs> her disowning you. A couple weeks ago, in pretty, fact. Pretty conclusively and pretty suddenly. Yeah. I don't think she saw the light in you then. But, I mean, revisionist, I get it. What you, you can't say mean shit on your deathbed. Well, it's, it, it's a whole hundred years. That was a small little hiccup. Sure. In a hundred years. Now, yes, it was one of the more recent hiccups, but still. <laughs> she says, I'll miss you, Lily. And then she hands Stefan a little bouquet of tiny white flowers. And Stefan says, cream violets, and I boo. It's like, okay, let's not look so affected by it. Where's your fucking girlfriend? Yeah, we'll remember that cream violets were the flowers that Stefan thought cured tuberculosis. (laughs) That he didn't get to his mother in time. So it is a very sweet gesture, but it is like, oh, you want me to support this couple? No. Julie Pleck, you will have to drag me kicking and screaming 
and I will spit in your face at the end of it. I'm not shipping them. The only way I'm shipping that couple is if I'm inside the Phoenix Stone because it's my hell. It's my hell. <laughs> in my hell, I ship Stefan and Valerie and Caroline and Alaric. Yeah. And I think they should be endgame. Yeah. But I'm not in the Phoenix Stone. But that's the Phoenix Stone. And that's why I'm not going in there. Yeah. Valerie says, of course I remembered. Of course she remembered. She has no other fucking memories because she's been in a prison world and has no fucking friends. And the only thing she reads is that diary. That tiny little diary where they live in a house full of books. Yeah. How about Robinson Crusoe? How about Moby Dick? Stefan says, thank you. And Valerie says, okay, we'll leave you two. And Nora and Valerie leave. And Damon says, well... And Stefan says, how many times do you get a second chance to deliver your mother's eulogy? And Stefan, look, I know you really want Damon to feel bad for what he said to Lily. I think it's foolish of you to expect him to make peace with, you know, her putting Elena in a coma right away. Mm-hmm. And I just think you shouldn't be forcing him to make a eulogy. If you want him to have a eulogy, read the eulogy, that's fine. But you don't get to be shocked when it's mean. Because if he was mean to his mother on her deathbed, do you think the eulogy's gonna suddenly be nice? The eulogy a day later, mind you. Yeah, after he's been joking this whole fucking funeral. Like, it's not gonna be a heartfelt eulogy. Damon says, that is a good point. How is this? Um, Lily, you were a terrible mother when you were alive, and you were a terrible mother when you were dead. He says, you're right. Uh, that does feel good. Now, and I know Damon was totally tanking the vibes at this funeral, but he was not going to say anything like that. But you made him say something, Stefan. What honestly did you expect him to say? Well, he respected. He let Nora and Valerie do their little speeches. He didn't heckle that. Mm -hmm. You said you have to give a eulogy, and he said, fine. I'll give a eulogy, but, you know, it's my speech. I'm going to say what I want. Be careful what you wish for. Damon leaves. And Stefan opens the coffin and looks at Annie Wishing. Not at Annie Wishing, not at Lily. <laughs> and he puts the flowers in her hands and says, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll make this right. Uh, and by the end of the episode, he'll make it right by, I guess, making his brother go to hell? Yeah, bringing him and his brother into hell. Gonna be a useful, useful time. We go over to Skullbar. It's all decorated for Christmas. <laughs> They're doing a toy drive, and Caroline has her little elf hat on, and she's on the phone with Stefan. She says, last year we filled 10 crates, this year I'm aiming for 20. And Stefan says, you know compelling people to donate doesn't actually count as donating, right? Um, the toys still get donated, tots still get toys. Yeah, the toys are getting donated just because people had to be forced. That's more a commentary on those people than Caroline giving her kind time to ensure that things get donated. Mm -hmm. Caroline says, wait till you see me. I popped this week. I have a pop belly. So she's starting the show. Yeah, that's why they had to get this pregnancy storyline out. They're like, okay, bitch. <laughs> we can't, we only put it in flowy tops for so long. Yeah. Uh, Stefan says, yeah, put on a Santa hat. You'd fit right in here. He's in a holiday town. Mm-hmm. Where there's a Santa crawl. Yeah. We'll get there in a second. Stefan says, sure you don't need me over there? And Caroline says, to do what? Come to boring birthing classes? Yeah. And frankly, he should want to be there with her for this. Even though I know it's weird that like the three of them couldn't really go to the birthing classes no, together. No, they could. But here's this is where I am going to get on my Stefan Defender-ish. Mm-hmm. Because Caroline says, you're chasing after an immortal jerk who basically killed your mother. That's much more important. I can handle this. Here's why I am going to get on my Stefan Defender-ish. Because Caroline isn't asking Stefan to do any of this. And you know I'm a number one Caroline stan. But I do think she has a problem in relationships. She has the same... I mean, she has this problem with... Tyler, too, is that 
she doesn't want to ask him to do these things for her. But unfortunately, a part of relationships is communicating your needs. And yeah. I think it's different for Tyler because she did ask Tyler many times, like, hey, just don't make it your life's purpose to kill Klaus. Just hang out with me. And he said no. But she's not communicating her needs to Stefan because she feels like it's embarrassing that this she's dealing with this and she has to do it for Rick. And she has all these hang-ups. But I don't think it's Stefan's fault that he is taking her at her word here. Well, I think Stefan wants to give her space to deal with this. And I think Stefan doesn't want to admit that he wants those damn babies. He wants those babies to be his. Yeah. And I think he's still living in a bit of denial of, well, Caroline's just the oven. Yeah. She's not going to care about these babies, whatever, which, you know, we get to is dumb. Was dumb when he thought it. Mm -hmm. I do think he has a certain, like, aversion to dealing with the babies because he feels jealous. And obviously he's got a one-track mind on Julian right now, which is his own issue that I'm not going to defend him for. But I think, unfortunately, the disconnect between Caroline's needs and expectations and his actions, Caroline's partly to blame for those as well. I think neither of them know how to handle this, which how would they know how to handle this? This is a very odd situation. We can all agree that. I do think Stefan is using her, like independence as an excuse to focus even more entirely on Julian, which she was already going to do. But she's giving him that excuse. Because That's she's true. not... And I think she doesn't even realize she wants to ask him to do all this. Because she's a control freak. She wants to prove she can handle this. It's the yeah. same way she's reading all these books. She wants to prove she's going to be the perfect mother. Well, and part of it is that, you know, as we touch on later in the episode, her mother just died. She's realizing she has to do this alone. She's trying to be as prepared as possible, so she can't make any single mistake, which is, of course, impossible. Stefan says, of course you can handle this. But she is having trouble handling this, as is evidenced by the fact that she looks at a vein in a guy's neck and looks hungry. And we haven't seen that from her in some time. Yeah. Uh, and Stefan says, Caroline, you still there? And she says, yes, I am here. How are you? And again, this is, like, classic. She's, like, deflecting from her own thing, which I do think Stefan is being a less-than-attentive boyfriend, let's say that. Yeah. But I do think that... Caroline is stepping back to allow him time to figure this out. I think they're both like creating this distance and it's not serving either of them. Yeah, I think she knows that there's only so much she can do here. He has to kind of figure this out on on his own. And it's a part of growth of her of not wanting to control how he feels about things. But Stefan, unfortunately, is still having trouble sorting through feelings. Well, and unfortunately, it's not like a... She's trying to relinquish control a little too much. Mm -hmm. because it's not controlling to say, hey, I need you to be here for me, rather than killing a guy for a girl you barely know. I would actually love you to come to the birthing class. Because plenty of birthing classes have people who are like groups of three who have weird, like, setups. And guess what? They're already talking shit about you at the birthing class. What's one more dude in the mix? And guess what? You're already a vampire. It's already weird. Like, you're already the weirdest person at that birthing class. Yeah. So... What does it matter if you come in a trio? Yeah. If anything, then it makes it look less weird that Caroline is there with Laura. Yeah, because then it's like, oh, maybe they just know that guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's his brother or something. Or, like, she's the professor's surrogate. Sure. And these two are gay men. Yeah. Could be. <laughs> anyway, Stefan says, I'm good. I would be a lot better if my traveling companion would actually stick to the task instead of stopping by every single bar we pass by. Yeah, he's distracting you or attempting to. Yeah. It's on purpose. It's by design. Yeah. <laughs> Damon says, it's a pub crawl, Steph. That's the whole point. Don't be such a Grinch. Uh, he's got a Rudolph-themed beer mug in his hand. Mm-hmm. We can see they're on a Christmas-themed pub crawl. I mean, it's pretty clear. Yeah. Damon says, or you'll get coal in your stocking. And Caroline says, okay, that's my cue. I'm going to call you later. And she hangs up. Caroline looks at a pair of baby dolls at the toy drive. And Bonnie mm-hmm. approaches and says, hey, Stefan, did I mention Bonnie saw me mix a blood bag with a jar of mayonnaise at two in the morning? 
literally last week, you're like, it's only a matter of time before they do the weird craving thing. And yeah. here they are. And here they fucking are. I mean, it's like clockwork. And Caroline says, okay, that one, that was marshmallow fluff. And two, I'm feeding for three now, so I get cravings. We're not even going to address the craving joke. It's stupid. It's lazy. It's boring. But I see the vision on marshmallow fluff. Yeah. I see the vision. That that makes sense to me. And Isn't blood? Yes, yuck. And uh, she says, it's marshmallow fluff. Like, you're making it sound stupid on purpose. Like, <laughs> like come on. Like, the fluffiness of the marshmallow with the blood mixed in, I see, I see it. That's, like, let's... Just try to pretend that we know what this tastes like. Let's say I mixed bourbon with marshmallow fluff. Delish. Yeah, I'm fine. Absolutely yum. Absolutely yum. No notes. Bonnie says, fair enough. Why not just tell him? And Caroline says, because he doesn't need to worry about the specifics of my magical pregnancy with Alaric's babies. She is worried about offending Stefan and, like, making him feel uncomfortable. When really, like... She needs to be open with him. Mm -hmm. But also, Stefan needs to invite that openness. So it's a two-way street, but it's not... It's not looking good, let's say, for Sterilina. But just because both of them are... Both of them are putting this relationship on the back burner. And not to say they don't have a reason to. Yeah, I think Caroline is watching out for Stefan's feelings because she knows how sad he just was about this baby from a hundred fucking years ago yeah, for which, some ooh, reason. Which, whatever. Yeah. She's a better girlfriend than me. <laughs> yeah, she's a better girlfriend than me. I would have dumped him weeks ago. So she's watching out. She doesn't want to hurt him in that way. And also, she hasn't really fully processed that she's having babies because she is all of a sudden, like, four or five months pregnant. Like, imagine you find out you're pregnant and then you, like, look pregnant in, like, a week. Like, that's crazy. That's painful. And you weren't trying to have babies. And you weren't trying to have babies. Like, that is overwhelming. And I think she is trying, again, the control of if I can handle this and if I can figure myself out before I bring him into it, then it's better, which is a lesson that we all have to learn. Generally flawed. Alaric approaches and says, yeah, words that should probably not be spoken at that volume. You ready to go to this class? Caroline says, now I am, because she has a book. And Rick says, you know, it's a birthing class, not SAT prep. Uh, She just gives him a look, because it is a class at the end of the day. Like, I'm so sorry I'm taking the preparation of having your fucking children seriously. Yeah, the way I would be like, shut the fuck up. But you don't have to call me creepy. (laughs) And this just pisses me off because now it's like, oh, so we're going to have scenes together that's like you're engaged already. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I don't even have time to warm up to this. Well, you can tell now that Julie Pluck is like, okay, you guys have to get on board with this. We're going to start doing scenes with them. And it's like, no. Can we please not? Do we have to? Caroline says to Bonnie, she says, are you sure you can handle this on your own? And Bonnie says, if you can handle all this while pregnant, I can handle a fraction of it while not. Go to your class. Caroline hands Rick some papers and says, this was the least graphic one I could find. Study up. And they go. Mm-hmm. Then we go over to the holiday bar call that Stefan and Damon are at. We know later the town there it is called Sunbury. Damon says, so what's it going to be? Uncle Stefan? Unky Steffi? Oh, I got it. Creepy dude who hangs out with mom who's not dad. And then Stefan says, well, the thing is, she's not their mom. Now Stefan. <laughs> Damon sums up my response to that better than I ever could. He says, come on, it's Caroline. You think she's going to turn those kids over to a functioning alcoholic with no supervision? And I mean, it's the point, because even though they're not technically Caroline's, those kids don't have a mom. Yeah. And Caroline is a deeply empathetic, caring person. It's not a big reach to see where this is going. And Stefan knows that's where it's going. Well, and also not for nothing, Caroline is immortal. So even if she doesn't want to spend her whole life being a mother, she can do this until the kids die and still have a whole life ahead of her. Yeah. So it's not like Rick would be asking a lot. Yeah. If he were even asking, which he doesn't seem to be yet, but we'll see. Stefan says whatever she wants to do. 
Oh, but he does have an opinion, I'm sure. Not like he'll say it. Well, it's like, well, do you know what she wants to do? Have you talked to her about this? Which, again, it is a two-way street. Both of them are closing off this conversation. But, like, Stefan, she is going through, I would say, a more tumultuous situation with this. So maybe you should be the one to reach out and check in a little more aggressively. That would be ideal. Damon says, so diplomatic. You're going to make an amazing not-father. It's kind of your thing, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> now this this cuts a little deep. Yeah, Stefan says, what's that, Damon? And Damon says, just barely not being a father. Now listen, again, Stefan is in the wrong a lot this week. Damon, Stefan made it really clear to you that it was hard for him to tell you that he was having a baby because he, you'd make fun of it and make glib jokes. And what are we doing here, Damon? Yeah. We're making a glib little joke. I just, I, I think maybe you need to be a little bit kinder to Stefan's plight here. Like, you can make jokes about a lot of bullshit he's pulling this week, but maybe let's leave this one off the table yeah, for now. not here. <laughs> Stefan says, you know, in these last few weeks, your jokes, they've gotten quite sad. These last few weeks. Damon's like, bitch, I'm sad. (laughs) Damon says, you're going to need me, little brother. Sucks for you, but Julian's almost 500 years old, and you ain't taking him alone no matter how many vervain darts and stakes you have on you. And Stefan says, well, what I need is your actions, not your words. And Damon says, sounds like you should have brought Bo then. Bo catching strays this week. Just a couple mute jokes to remind us Bo's mute and not here. (laughs) Damon says, I'm here to help. Trust me. I've got more vervain syringes and grenades strapped to my body. One wrong step, I'm vampire shrapnel. Okay, relax. Eggnog? But Stefan doesn't want eggnog. Because he's no fun. We go over to the Salvatore house, and Valerie comes in. And Mary Louise says, Julian's not here, if that's what you're worried about. And it's like, why are y'all still living in this damn house? Why didn't Mary Louise and Julian get to keep the house? Like, it was one thing already to give it to Lily and everybody. The bigger group should get to keep the house. That's how these things go. Valerie says, okay, well, is Julian coming back? And Mary Louise says, that is none of your concern. And Valerie says, okay, well, I left a few things. I'm just going to grab them and I'm going to be on my way. Mary Louise says, have you seen her? Of course, referring to Nora. Mm-hmm. Valerie says, we've spoken. And Mary Louise says, this is your fault, you know, this fracturing. Mary Louise. Look, I mean, I get it because at this point, Mary Louise has like irreparably sided with Julian. So if she's wrong, it's so much worse. Mm-hmm. So she needs to be right. Yeah, this has to be, like, Valerie just trying to ruin things, because otherwise it's like, oh, I was personally responsible for Lily's death. I was personally responsible for Lily's death, and I didn't even attend her funeral because I'm so mad about it, and I lost my girlfriend fiancé. It's too much. Yeah. Valerie says, yeah, if only I hadn't fallen in love and placed my pregnant womb in front of Julian's boot. (laughs) Mary Louise says, sticking to your story, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Mary Louise, I know you don't believe her, but... Just for a second, imagine that this story is real, and then do you know how bitchy it is that you're acting like this? Valerie says, it's not a story. And Mary Louise says, even if by some stretch of the imagination, it's not, the timing is awfully suspect, isn't it? And I get her point here, but also, she brought it up when Julian came back. Like, the timing makes logical sense. Like, yeah, it's weird that she didn't tell you in the hundred years in the prison world. We can all agree on that. Yeah. But... Also, a prime time to bring that up is when Julian has returned and said he's going to, like, bring their family together. And she's like, actually, I have a story that sheds some light on whether that will be successful. Valerie says, what's that supposed to mean? And Mary Louise says, well, you had over 100 years to tell this story. And you only did once you were back in Stefan's life. Until it served you. Gained you sympathy. And Valerie says, you know, I always thought you were the nice one. That you had a heart deep down. Guess I was wrong. Nora will blossom without you. And she goes, 
And using that line, Noah will blossom without you, is pretty iconic. Yeah, because that's literally Mary Louise's fear, is that Nora will be better off without her, which, I mean, I can't say the evidence isn't pointing that way. Let's just say that. We go back over to the Whitmore toy drive. Bonnie is sitting and drinking some eggnog, and then Nora approaches with the board game Surrey and says, you appear tired. Thanks. (laughs) Awesome. Bonnie says, Nora, how unexpected. What are you doing here? And Nora says, I have a toy for a tot. (laughs) And Bonnie says, yeah, you shouldn't have. And Nora says, well, I didn't. Actually, it was a passive-aggressive gift when Mary Louise came calling back to me, but that hasn't happened, so... You know, at least she's honest. Yeah. Bonnie says, still, very generous of you. And Nora says, I know. Bonnie (laughs) says, okay, you delivered it. Yay, that's the end. And Nora says, but how will the tot know the toy is for me? And Bonnie says, I'll tell him. They're not targeted gifts. (laughs) Bonnie says, okay, you're still not leaving. And Nora says, well, you know, I really want to be more involved. I recently enrolled in classes, and, and Bonnie says, you're going to school here? Why? And Nora says, well, I was curious about college, and Mary Louise hated the idea. So, and Bonnie says, oh, spite. That's a good reason for higher education. Spite is the exact reason I'm finishing my PhD. It works, girl. <laughs> and Nora says, well, you clearly need help here. Bonnie says, yeah, not from an evil heretic who kidnapped my friend. Nora says, are you going to let that old news get in the way of a little charity? And I'm evil. Nora's like, I kidnapped her, like, three months ago, and she was fine. (laughs) Bonnie says, okay, you can go to the collection booth, the fur one, way over there. She hands her a stack of toys and an elf hat, and she goes. Nora says, yay, something to do today. (laughs) We go back to Sunbury. Damon says, hey, just so we're clear, me helping you kill Julian is your Christmas present, so don't be expecting any socks or a TV or anything. And that's more than fair. I think this is a very generous gift, considering how Stefan's acting today. Well, it would be a generous gift if any of them could manage to fucking do it. This has been my soapbox for weeks with Julian. It is not that hard to kill him. He should be dead by now. He is one vampire. It is season seven. Do none of you have a stake? Yeah. Do none of you have the ability to run fast and pull a herd out. Stefan says, well, we have to find him to kill him. And Damon says, we will, okay? Bonnie did the locator spell. She said Sunbury. We're in Sunbury. So, oops, I'm dry. His drink is empty. He says, pit stop. So they go into a bar, and the bar is filled with a bunch of dead and bloody people. Damon says, Merry Christmas, bro. I think we found him. Well, that's the thing. Stefan's like, we gotta find him. We gotta find him. It's like, well, we kind of have to go into Burr's to do that. So sorry that Damon drinking is actually helping. Well, here's the thing. Damon drinking is stalling, and he's right to do it. Yeah. But again, if Stefan really wants to kill Julian, Damon's obviously not the person to ask, because, I mean, Stefan resents Damon right now for how he spoke to Lily, which is a thing he has to get over on his own. But if Stefan really wants to kill Julian... Call fucking Valerie. I don't know what you think Damon's going to do. Damon has been trying to keep you at bay. And I mean, Damon would have showed up anyway because he knows he has to calm Stefan down. Mm -hmm. But still. Well, and that's the thing, too, is Stefan wants to be the one to kill Julian, which is bullshit, as we've said. I mean, it's revenge. It's mommy issues. I mean, the revenge thing is one thing, but the mommy issues so have hands here because to Stefan, Julian is like the manifestation of tuberculosis. And Stefan couldn't kill tuberculosis when his mom died the first time, so he's killing Julian. It's not gonna give you the feeling you want it to give you. It's like he blames Julian for the death and loss of his mother, both deaths and losses of his mother, and the loss of his child. So he views Julian as the death of his, like, entire family line. And it's like, you're giving this guy so much power over you. 
Well, and he also sees Julian, at, and they talk about this later, as, like, this really, like, calculated, manipulative guy. And he really is just, like... That's what also makes him not very intimidating, is he's just kind of, like, a guy who, like, is in love with their mom and is kind of annoying. And is, like, kind of crazy, but he's crazy because he spent a hundred years in literal hell. So it's kind of like, can we blame him for that? Yeah, and it's it just feels like, why are you so worried about this guy? Like, he is killing people, obviously, but... He's not, like, demented about it. Like, yes, he killed a baby. I I'm not forgetting that he killed the baby. But the stakes just feel quite low. Yeah, like, Stefan didn't even give Klaus this much power over him. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. That well, might be kind of revisionist. Yeah, that might be revisionist. But it's just, like, there's no reason this guy should be controlling this much of anything. Yeah. Stefan did let Klaus have that much power over him, because let us not forget, he almost drove Elena off Wickley's Bridge. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Damon says, gonna be a lot of disappointed faces Christmas morning, and he turns off the open sign at the spur, so no randos walk in. Well, it's a classic little Christmas shot where he's through, like, a snowy window. Yeah. It's such a serve. Stefan says, you know, well, maybe if we hadn't stopped at every single bar for eggnog, we could have done something about it. Damon says, yeah, and maybe we could have been two more bodies in this pile. And Stefan says, what are you trying to say? Damon says, I'm not trying to say anything. What I am saying is maybe we should take a bit of a beat. I mean, look around. Julian is clearly off the proverbial rails here. And Stefan says, since when do you think logically? Stefan's like, I'm sorry. I thought we were both going to be here to be a little crazy and kill this dude. And Damon's like, can we chill out for a second? Yeah, Stefan brought Damon expecting like crazy Damon. And that's not the Damon we're getting right now. Mm -hmm. And Damon says, hi, I'm level-headed Damon. I only come out when Stefan goes a little cuckoo, and since you're letting your mommy and could-have-been-daddy issues drive you right now, and Stefan says, oh, so you don't think Julian deserves to die. Not the point he was saying. Not what he was saying. But he was saying, you need to reevaluate why we're doing this because you're off the reservation a bit here, brother. And do you know how bad you have to be for me to start being the voice of reason? Because yeah. Damon knows. He's like, I don't like being the voice of reason. I like to be the fun one who's drunk on the bur crawl, and you're losing it right now. <laughs> Damon says, I do 100% think Julian deserves to die, but not if it means us dying. So I think we should just stop and think about some backup. And Stefan says, you are my backup. You're just terrible at it. And if Julian's off the rails, that's good. It means he's careless. I mean, look at these wounds. They're fresh, which means he's obviously still in town. So either help me find him or... And Damon says, okay, don't be so dramatic, Stefan. I got this. I'll make a call. So he calls Bonnie. Bonnie says, hello, Damon. And Damon says, hey, Bonnie, sorry to do this to you. And she says, well, what a lovely way to be greeted. Mm -hmm. Hi, Bonnie, I need something. And he says, well, isn't it great to feel loved and needed? <laughs> He says, so Julian, and Bonnie says, yeah, I did your frickin' locator spell. And Damon says, you did, which led us to this Santa-infested hellhole, but is there a way to do, like, a zoom-in spell, something, like, maybe a little more accurate, like an address? How long have you used locator spells? You know the answer's fucking no. Bonnie's like, you know damn well what a locator spell is capable of, and it actually pisses me off that you're calling me. <laughs> she says, it doesn't work that way, Damon. And Damon says, yeah, okay, well, here's the deal, Bonnie. Stefan's here, and he's being kind of crazy. He's breathing down my neck, and I was just kind of hoping you might have some information for me. Know what I mean? Bonnie remembers that Nora is at Whitmore, so she says, you know what, there actually might be something I can do. And Damon says, brilliant. Bonnie says, text you in a bit. And Damon says, look at me, pulling my weight. <laughs> Bonnie's pulling his weight, yeah. but, he's, but he did call her. <laughs> so that counts for something. We go over to Alaric and Caroline's birthing class, and the teacher says, okay... 
What if, no matter how much you plan, your water breaks at home? Caroline raises her hand and she doesn't wait to be called on because she's industrious and a go-getter. Well, yeah, she sees no one else is raising their hand. She's like, don't worry, guys, I got this one. She says, coat. Note the color, odor, amount, and time. Keep your birth plan on hand and call your care provider. And the teacher says, wow, someone really dug into that suggested reading list. And I do think she's saying it earnestly, but I think there's a hint of disdain there. Yeah, I think she's like, okay, so I don't have to talk in this class. Caroline says, well, I hope everybody did. You know, it's a baby. I mean, each and every one of us are bringing a life into the world. That is a huge responsibility. And the teacher says, yeah, encouraging words, Caroline, as always. Thank you. (laughs) Let's pick this up next time. I know everybody in this class hates her ass. Yeah, but it's because she's being prepared. I know there's someone in this class who has, like, a full-time job and hasn't read any of the books, and it's like, fuck you. You're in college. Fuck this little college student whose professor knocked her up. Yeah. Rick looks at Caroline, and she says, don't give me that look. And he says, what look? You know what look. You know damn well what uh, look. She says, that is a, your hormones are making you crazy because you are pregnant look, which I will have you know is really just a man's attempt to minimize the gift that our bodies bring into this world. A Feminist Guide to Pregnancy, Chapter 4, Page 43. And Alaric says, actually, I believe that particular quote is found in chapter three. What, you think I'm not going to read every book you're reading? Boo! Now this is, this is Julie Plex saying, see, they could get along, they might kiss. But she knows what page it is, but not chapter? Like, come on, why is it, why is this necessary? I get why they're doing this, because, I mean, I don't get why they are making them engaged. I mean, Obviously. I, I do to create conflict, whatever. I get, though, that they have to create some kind of connection for us to be anywhere near on board yeah they have to build this up because or else there's a big no which it was already a big no and it's going to remain a big no for me but maybe this convinces someone yeah caroline eavesdrops on a woman across the room who says isn't he a professor at whitmore and then some guy says yeah and she's a student that is me and my husband in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also funny because, like, you know he's a professor at Whitmore. I get. Plenty of people would know that. How do you know that she's a student at Whitmore? They are eagle-eyed. They're eagle-eyed. Rick says, oh, is everything okay? And Caroline says, yeah, it's just that my vampire hearing is working a little too well lately. And then we hear the conversation again, and the woman says, what do you want to bet she's doing really well in his class? And the man laughs. Do, do you realize he's an occult studies professor? I bet everybody's doing well in his yeah. class. Joke's on you. Everybody's doing really well in his class. He's an alcoholic who's not grading shit. <laughs> and also, she's a theater major. Rick says, uh-oh, because he can see Caroline's, uh, you know, upset. Mm-hmm. And Caroline says, no, it's okay. They're just having a difficult time with the subtle realities of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> the subtle realities of the 21st century being age gap relationships. Okay, Ezra Fitz. Well, like, not only an age gap relationship, but like a teacher-student relationship. <laughs> I wouldn't call that subtle. <laughs> she says, where families come in all shapes and sizes. I think I should explain it to them. And her fangs and veins appear. <laughs> and she says that I have a boyfriend, and while he may not be the father, and Rick says, hey, Caroline, 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 your eyes. She calms down, and she says, sorry, it's just hormones. And then she goes, girl, it ain't just hormones. Yeah, hormones are making you very angry and want to bite people i don't know i don't know i don't know about that we go back over to the toy drive some guy gives nora like a couple sticker books <laughs> and she says that's your gift stickers did you stop at the gas station on the way over or fish them from the rubbish the guy goes because he's like no she clocked me yeah I, i'm being kind of a dick here he doesn't say anything he doesn't nod he doesn't shake his head he's like well you have the stickers <laughs> that's what i came here to do he says well i'll see myself out <laughs> i'm gonna go get a drink <laughs> I'm going to go get some eggnog. <laughs> Bonnie comes up and says, Professor Dowling, Remarcus. And Nora says, excuse me? 
And Bonnie says, you're taking freshman English, right? Who's your professor? Please tell me it's Dowling and not Marcus. And Nora says, uh, I can deal with difficult people. And Bonnie says, I know you can, which is why I'm saying take Dowling. I don't want Professor Marcus to end up dead. And she says, I'm joking, kind of. Hehe. <laughs> and Nora's like, wow, friendship. Friendship. Bonnie offers a mug. And Nora says, let me guess, hot cocoa and vervain. And Bonnie says, close, it's bourbon. Bonnie says, I'm not playing around with that bullshit. I need to get drunk today. Yeah. Bonnie says, I'm sorry I was harsh earlier. I heard you listened to Valerie and sided with Lily against Julian. I mean, you must be attempting to turn over a new leaf, and you clearly don't have anyone else. And Nora says, oh, lovely, a pity friend. That is just what I wanted. And Bonnie says, look, college can be lonely and terrible, or it can be fun. A pity friend is still a friend. Nora says, what do you need from me? Bonnie says, excuse me? And Nora said, I'm not fucking stupid. Yeah, like, Nora's right to clock this, and Bonnie's right to own up right away. Yeah. Nora says, I wasn't born yesterday. It's all right. I want to do some charity. I might as well start. Bonnie says, have you heard of a town called Sunbury? There is um, a knowing look on Nora's face. Yes. She has. So we go over to Sunbury. The Sackers are just sitting at this bar and drinking. Like, okay, we need to pick if we're moving forward or not. Both of you, by the way. Yeah. Uh, because now we're just sitting here and drinking like nothing else is going on. Yeah, so Stefan, now you're suddenly not mad at Damon stopping for eggnog at every bar. And Damon, all of a sudden, you're fine with just waiting around and maybe running into Julian. Didn't you want to stall him today? Stefan says, hey, so when do you think this denial phase of yours is going to come to an end? What makes you think he's going to answer that in any meaningful way, Stefan? Uh, be honest. Yeah, he's in a denial phase, which means he doesn't think he's in a denial phase. So for him, not going to end. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not a phase. And a phase he's not in can't end. So true. Damon says, what are you waiting for, Stefan? A breakdown? A teary, emotional, I'm sorry, it's all my fault? That's exactly what Stefan's waiting for. Stefan's like, well, I'm, well yes. That would do. <laughs> Damon says, you're going to be waiting a long time, bro. And Stefan says, yeah, I just sort of refuse to believe that you care so little about your own flesh and blood. And Damon says, and why is that? You know, death doesn't erase all the crappy things she did, Stefan. If anything, it makes me care about her even less. Before we get into this same argument that we've already had ten times, and honestly is no more interesting each time than the last, there's a little bit of a crash, and who stumbles in the door but Julian. So Julian spots them, he says, oh, hello, boys. And me personally, run over, rip the heart out. Yeah, what? Why do I need to hear his whole little drunken monologue? Yeah, I just, I don't understand why they don't kill him right away. He says, if you'll just pardon me a moment, and he's looking at bodies, and Stefan says, hey, what you doing? And Julian says, well, I seem to have misplaced my cellular telephone. Boo. <laughs> you know it's called cell phone. Like, it's been like a month now that you've been out. You can say cell phone. Julian says, these things have a way of just jumping out of your hand and just screwing off. And he finds it says, oh, stop looking. They weren't looking. We didn't move. <laughs> he says, here it is. And Damon says, well, I feel stupid. And he says to Stefan, don't you feel stupid? See, because Stefan and I thought you had some really great maniacal plan, but it turns out you're just a drunk sorority girl who ruins everyone's night by losing her cell phone. Gag. Um, but again, now that you've realized he's just drunk and lost his phone, Let's pull out his heart. <laughs> yeah, it, Let's stake him. I just don't know why we're sitting around talking. Like, And we know, even if you don't want to stake him right away, even if you have to have some little fucking speech, you guys have said you have a ton of vervain darts. Shoot him with the darts. I just, and I understand it's a TV show and we need to get to the end of the episode. And who else is going to stab these two with the sword, whatever. But, but why are we not just killing him immediately? I mean... Connor Jordan was smarter, tougher, harder to kill than Julian in every conceivable way. I can't think of a villain who was easier to kill than Julian. 
Yeah, except maybe, like, the tomb vampires who would just play vampires. And even then, they were, like, older, but... But at least then, they, like, were moving around and made it hard to kill them. Well, yeah, anyone who was harder to kill, like, Catherine was the same age as Julian. And she was hard to kill, but that was more her personality than her physicality. Yeah. Like, Julian is not, he's not tricky. He's not wily. There's no excuse for it. It's just laziness. It's just nobody wants to work these days. That's what it is. It really is, like... I think he is literally the easiest one we've ever had to kill. But somehow taking the longest. He's, in a better season of the show, he would have been a one a one episode arc. Yes. Julian says, well, it has been a rough few weeks for all of us, I suppose, after what we went through. And Seven says, who the hell is we? <laughs> Which is what I said, too. Absolutely. Julian says, well, you lost your mother, and I lost the love of my life. And Stefan says, well, she meant nothing to you. And Julian breaks a glass and says, she meant everything to me. We don't, again, the back and forth, kill him. Julian says, sorry. Oh, yes. And then he pulls out the sword with the phoenix stone is in it, so it's complete now. Mm-hmm. Um, Chekhov's phoenix stone sword. Julian says, do you remember this sword? When you, you know, drove it through my chest? You didn't quite have all the pieces together, though, did you? Literally. See, when a vampire is stabbed through the heart with the completed sword, it acts as a magical conduit, transferring their spirit into this particularly nasty stone. Of course, he's talking about the phoenix stone. He says the purpose of the stone is to punish vampires like you boys. Every sin you've committed goes into creating your own little personal hell. I spent a hundred years trapped inside. A hundred years and Lily saved me. And for the briefest of moments, I had her back in my life. She was the only thing that kept the madness of the stone at bay. The only thing that kept me sane. And Damon says, that was you sane. Someone had to say it. And I get that that's supposed to be like, oh, now he's threatening because he was so threatening before, but actually he's worse. He never threatened me. Yeah. I was, I was never worried. I, I mean, that was more of a dig in my mind that I was like, that was you saying? Like, you already made no damn sense. I think that's how it reads, but I think what the writers are trying to go for is like, ooh. ooh he's extra scary now. Right, is, is everyone shaking? And here's what I'll say. The Phoenix Stone, now that's a fucking prison world. Yeah. Gemini's, that's looking easy, and... You know, Stefan and Damon have both been through their own thing. One might call the safe underwater prison world of sorts. Yeah. But with Damon going to the prison world and the Phoenix Stone, how many types of hell can you experience? Literally. <laughs> Julian says, it was me saying, but now... And then he turns away from them, pull his fucking heart out. Literally, his back is to you. Reach in and pull it out while he's turned away. It's so simple. I just don't... Like... I just don't understand why Stefan and Damon aren't doing that. They are known to be good at killing people. They are known to be relatively smart. They're known to be, like, conflicted if it's someone they care about or who can give them something. But there's no reason either of them want Julian alive at all. And that's the thing. Like, we understand as a show, you have to keep this guy alive for the storyline that you're planning. But you do have to make it believable that they're not immediately killing him. Exactly. Julian says, these have been dark days for me. (laughs) <laughs> okay uh-huh let me go back over to whitmore bonnie is talking to nora and she says you know so they followed him to wrigley park old saybrook and finally sunbury and nora says yeah they need to leave immediately julian is not one who enjoys solitude those towns are places he used to live here's my thing i understand that this is like oh this people with him turns out to be kind of a nothing bit of a threat but it would make more sense if this were like These are all places he lived. He has families here that he's, like, 
cultivated these families and then maybe he's a family annihilator of some sort like he keeps a family until they're no longer of use to him or like he has families everywhere that he's manipulating and he's his master puppet master whatever then at least that would be interesting and he'd be scary yeah. but it's just these people he kind of knows just these people like mm, we're kind of friends like oh. hey great to reunite with my friends it's the same as like a person being like hey hit me up when you're in my city yeah literally well it's like <laughs> when lexi would come to town and hang out with stefan like yeah okay i'm glad you have friends but it's not and I'm sure your friends will, like, defend you, but your friend, these friends mostly seem, A, here to drink, and B, like, one of them is brand new. So he's like, I don't know you from Adam. So what horse do any of these friends have in this race to kill Stefan and Damon? They don't seem eager to do it. Yeah. No one makes a move toward killing anyone in this bar at all, actually. So in Sunbury, Julian is still talking with his back turned to them and says, then I remembered what my old life looks like. And Damon gets a text from Bonnie that says, Julian's not alone, run. And Damon, like, shows it to Stefan. And then Julian turns back and says, and I realized, I mean, it was a good life. I was surrounded by the people I cared about, my friends. Some people come in, mind you, okay, so these people didn't save you from the stone, so good fucking friends. Yeah. Julian counts... The four of them. And he, like, laughs, like, ha-ha, five of us against two of you. And I, like, get that they're outnumbered. And I do think that, like, if it were to be a fight, Stefan and Damon would lose. But it's not, like... It's not a blowout. Like Yes. It would take some work. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The the group of five probably has the leg up. But it's not impossible. Then... (laughs) Julian, like, introduces Stefan and Damon to all these people, uh, which I know I sound like a broken record here. Kill him while he's doing this and then run. I don't. It's really, like, I know it's a broken record, but it's true every time. And it really is, like, what we really needed in this season of Vampire Diaries was more fucking useless characters. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's like, okay, great. I need to meet these people. Do I need to know these people's names? And I don't think we do because none of them get lines, so I don't think they're actually characters we need to learn. And I don't think this is a crazy guess to think we're not going to see these bitches again. Yeah. Like, I think this is their one and only appearance. So why did we name them? So why did we have to go through names and histories of all of them? At least in the past, if we named someone for one episode, they died in the episode. Yeah. We just don't even see what happens with these people. They just go about their day on yeah. the Santa Barbara crawl. So he says, Raphael here. I met in Florence in the 1600s. He was a painter. Terrible painter, though, but a painter. So he's like, no, not that, Raphael. Raphael's like, oh, fuck me then. <laughs> like, I, I painted you something for your birthday, asshole. And then he goes to the next girl who he calls Dirty Robin. You can just call her Robin. Oh, come on. Uh, he says, I found her in a convent in Massachusetts in 1802, was it? She loved those nuns. What is it about Julian that the lesbians flock to? It's because he looks like a butch lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> uh, he says, Seth over there. Seth? You just pick names out of a hat. I'm convinced the writers just were like, oh, can I put my kid's name in? Yeah. <laughs> and then someone's daughter's name, Robin, like, do we have to call her Dirty Robin? <laughs> anyway, Seth, Julian says, I rescued you from a claim jumper in California during the gold rush. I will say, though, Seth, very hot and sexy and an interesting backstory. Yeah. And she win. I met you last week, actually, in Portland. Now, why is, he's like, I don't know if I really want to be on this side. When did he have time to go to Portland? I think we're meant to believe that Sunbury is, like, by Portland. Okay, sure. And so it was, like, on his way. Sure. But it is interesting that he just met this guy. I mean, I guess he's sired, so whatever. I wouldn't have read that he was sired. Oh, yeah, maybe he was just a vampire that That he ran into. I thought maybe Julian turned him, but why am I assuming that? He could have. He could have. But it's funny that Julian just met this guy, and he's like, you want to come to Sunbury with me? And the guy's like, I have nothing else to do. 
He's like, oh, yeah, I love a Santa Barbara. He's like, wait, I didn't know there was, like, a revenge plot against you. I thought we were getting eggnog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I signed up for exactly. You seem a little crazy, actually. And you keep talking about being in a stone, which I thought was a bit, but... I thought you were saying you were stoned. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that's what you were saying anymore. And so now I'm thinking you don't sell weed? <laughs> Which means I'm going to start being a, a lot less nice, because I was really just hoping for a good discount on an yeah. eighth, if I'm serious. So what did I follow you to Sunbury for? <laughs> you picked up no tabs. You don't have a debit card. <laughs> and you're carrying this weird-ass sword with you, which feels feels uncomfortable to me. It, it's Christmas-themed. We're not doing a Christmas thing. And I actually kind of miss my family now that it's the holidays. <laughs> anyway. Julian says, now I know you two have been following me for quite some time. I hope it wasn't for nefarious reasons. And Stefan says, well, that depends. Is killing you nefarious? Because he's like, I'm just not doing this with you. Yeah. Damon says, okay, guys, listen. I am sure we all miss Lily. Well, most of you. I mean, those four people, they're like, who the fuck is Lily? These four people are like, we're just hanging out. Damon says, you guys in particular, but I'm sure wherever she is, she's looking up and thinking, I wish those boys wouldn't fight. And Stefan says, I'm not going anywhere. And Julian says, good. And Damon says, okay, fine. Plan B, booze-soaked flammable costumes. So Damon sets off a couple of vein grenades. They catch fire on the dead bodies, and he and Stefan vampire run away. Mm-hmm. Not enough fire to catch any of these vampires that are there, but, you know, it gets them out. Yeah. We go over to a hospital where Nora and Bonnie are passing out the donated toys. And a little girl says, can I have one of the boy toys? And Nora says, of course you can. You can be anything you want. Don't let society tell you differently. The girl said, just give me the Hot Wheels and go. And then Nora hands her a football. And she's like, can I get the fucking remote control car? (laughs) Like, I see the good toys in there. Don't give me a football. I'm in the hospital. (laughs) Not this butch. (laughs) Actually, the girl grabs the football. (laughs) She does. Anyway, Nora turns to Bonnie and says, what? Surprised I'm not massacring leukemia patients? And Bonnie says, well, it's still early. Bonnie says, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I am a little surprised. (laughs) We're in a hospital. I thought you'd be eating something. Nora says, Christmas was always my favorite holiday. When I was growing up, it was much different than all this. I would have been happy with a hoop and a stick. But still, being surrounded by loved ones. And then she looks longingly at a Barbie and says, this looks just like her. <laughs> it's like, sure, why not? And it's not even like a name brand Barbie. <laughs> it's like a cheap Barbie, which is so classic Mary Louise. Yeah. Bonnie says, okay, you and Mary Louise broke up. She made her choice. It was a bad one. And Nora says, but, and Bonnie says, no buts. You need to move on and become your own person. You can only do that if you're living in the present, not the past, which means you need to stop thinking about her and talking about her, okay? She's dead to you. Bonnie said, you could actually be cool if you dropped that prissy little girlfriend of yours. Yeah. But then Mary Louise comes in and she holds like a stuffed uh, unicorn. Don't know where she got this. And says, am I? Can we talk? We go over to Alaric's office or apartment. Caroline says, I was two seconds away from tearing their heads off. And Alaric says, hey, they were jerks. They deserved it. And he tosses her a blood bag. She says, I've needed this all day. He's drinking a beer and he says, you and me both, girl. It's like, I can't believe you're starting with beer. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline drinks a little bit of blood, but then she stops and says, wait, do you think this is okay for the babies? I'm serious. What if blood is like alcohol? What if it's bad for them? And Rick says, if it's good for you, how can it be bad for them? Which is a nice thing to say. It is correct. Although 
sounds like an alcoholic yeah. <laughs> justification for things. Yeah. Caroline says, I don't know, but you don't know either because there's no studies on this. There's no books. If only there were a place that Caroline could learn anything about magical pregnancy. Mm-hmm. If only. Do you still think she's going to go to New Orleans? Do I think she's going to is a... Is a... It, that's a, that's it's a complicated question. Do I hope? Yes. Well, of course. <laughs> um, Rick says, hey, Caroline, you're doing a great job. And Caroline says, would you stop saying that? And Rick says, but you are. I mean, do you realize how happy you've made me? I mean, this is a miracle. You've turned my life around. Clearly him falling in love with her is definitely not coming from a weird place. Yeah, like... In three years. Heal yourself, Rick. Literally. Her veins and fangs appear, and she says, I said stop, and she pushes him against the wall, and then she's kind of freaked out that she almost, you know, hurt him. Yeah. And she says, I have to go, and she's freaked. So she goes, he calls after her. Mm-hmm. We go back to the hospital, Nora and Mary Louise go into a room to talk, and Mary Louise says, well, and Nora says, well, what? <laughs> Mary Louise says, are you going to apologize? And Nora says, am I going to apologize? For what? And Mary Louise says, for telling me you'd marry me, then throwing the ring I gave you back in my face, which cuts out quite a number of events. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big jump in the story, Mayor. <laughs> Nora says, you mean the ring Julian gave you. And Mary Louise says, is that what's bothering you? And Nora says, he is the reason Lily is dead. And Mary Louise says, no, he is not. Julian is just as upset as any of us. Valerie's story is responsible. Well, and him being upset doesn't mean it's not his fault. Yeah. He's upset partially because it is his fault. Well, and also because Mary Louise doesn't want to admit that it's partially her fault because she's the one who unlinked them. Yeah. Nora says, you still believe him. He's a liar. Why can't you see that? And Mary Louise says, if I say he's a liar, can we go back home? I'm tired of fighting. It's like, well, that means you aren't actually doing any, you know, introspection and thought about how you've been acting. So that's bad. (laughs) Nora says, so am I. I'm done, Mary Lou. Okay, it's over. So Nora is actually finally pulling the plug on her relationship with Mary Louise, and Mary Louise doesn't take it well. Yeah. Because Mary Louise is already insecure about this relationship, so she says, you've been wanting this for a long time, haven't you? Almost like you've been planning it all along. Because it's easier to blame Nora and say you always wanted to dump me than to admit maybe I was wrong. Well, like, if she was planning it all along, she wouldn't have needed Lily to die to do it. That wouldn't have been in the plan. Yeah. Just because you haven't adjusted well, and she has... Like, yeah, there's been some some cracks in your relationship, and if you can't handle a relationship where there are other people in the world, which there barely are because you're in an abandoned town, then that doesn't seem like Nora's fault. Yeah. Nora says, you're paranoid. And Mary Louise says, am I? It took you no time to enroll in classes, move into a dorm, make friends with our enemies. And Nora says, have you been following me? And Mary Louise says, I've been following someone, but she clearly hasn't been acting like my girlfriend. And Nora says, you know, I wanted to do something different with you, actually, but you're too scared to go out into the world, too scared to change. And Mary Louise says, you think I'm scared to play Santa for some pathetic humans? And Nora says, when was the last time you even did any charity? And Mary Louise says, I don't know, probably when I started dating you. And then she gives her a stuffed horse and goes, and unfortunately for Nora, you set her up too well for that. Mary Louise ate a little bit. It is a gag. It's definitely meant to make her feel bad and it's definitely not true. Yeah. Because let's be serious, if anyone was doing charity, it was Nora. (laughs) Also, you know, it was the 1900s. Like, it wasn't quite so easy to find other lesbians. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, so there was no charity. They, like, were lucky they found a lesbian who they liked. Yeah, they were lucky they found each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's over now. Sorry. We go back over to Sunbury, and Stefan says, okay, so we reload, 
figure out a way to separate him from his friends. And Damon says, no, we are not doing any such thing. We're going to get in the car and go home. Damon said, no, this is over. (laughs) Stefan says, what are you talking about? He's building a small army. He's obviously up to something. And Damon says, he's getting wasted with his friends. You're delusional. That is a hornet's nest. Take it from an expert. You do not want to kick it. What if he's building a small army? Why do you want to go back and fight him without your own small army? How does that make any sense? Yeah, and well, Stefan is saying it's a small army to make it seem like it's this bigger thing that they need to save the world from, rather than it being Stefan's own personal vendetta, which it is. Because clearly all Julian's doing is drinking and, like, I mean, he's killing humans. I don't want to minimize that. But he's mourning the loss of the love of his life. He's not, like, trying to take Stefan and Damon down. Yeah. Stefan says, you of all people should not be the one to give up. You're the reason he's alive and she isn't. How's that? <laughs> no, explain that one to me, Stefan. And, and Damon says, well, what kind of backwards-ass logic is that? Because it is certainly backwards-ass logic. Mm-hmm. And this is Stefan's best attempt to explain it. He says, because we would have killed Julian the minute he showed up into our lives. But no, you wanted to punish Lily with a long con, didn't you? And let me just say fucking this. You didn't have to agree with each other, Stefan, because mm-hmm. need, need I bring up the fact mm-hmm. that Damon had a plan in season one to protect you both from being exposed to the town. That plan involved killing Lexi, something you wouldn't have agreed to. So what did Damon do? He put that plan into action without you because he knew you wouldn't agree. So Damon made it clear to you that he didn't agree with your plan to kill Julian. Mm-hmm. Just do it. What's he going to do? Also because, keep in mind, Stefan got to Julian first at this party. Yeah. He had time to kill him before Damon got there, but no, he wanted to play a whole game of pool. Like, you wanted your own fucking long con. Yes, it was a little less long of a con, but it was long in the context of what you were doing. So let's look inward, and maybe we should have not needed a whole speech and just ripped some hearts out. And when that long con was interrupted... Stefan let it be interrupted rather than doing what he should have done, which is when Damon comes in and starts doing his little jokey jokes, run over, pull the heart out. Yeah, well, Damon's distracting Julian with his little bit. Yeah. Kill Julian. It's really not that complicated. Uh, Damon says she punished herself with a short stake. And that's true. But of course, mm-hmm. that hits at something Stefan is already resenting Damon for. Yeah. Um, and Stefan says, you know, for weeks I've been watching you, trying to catch even the slightest bit of regret on your face. And Damon says, for what? And Stefan says, she was dying, Damon. How difficult would it have been to say something nice? And Damon says, well, I didn't want to lie to the woman. And Stefan says, all she wanted was forgiveness, and you practically spat in her face. And Damon says, she didn't deserve my forgiveness. And it's like, I'm sorry she wanted forgiveness. I get why she wanted that. She wasn't going to get it. Damon knows that's what she wanted. He didn't want to give it to her because she didn't earn it. Yeah. At least not in the time they had. Sorry. And unfortunately... She had done too much to sully that relationship already. And she had to know that. And actually, I'm kind of surprised Stefan was so willing to forgive her. I mean, I know he's moved on from Elena, but still, I feel like that... I think Stefan just has this connection with being a mama's boy. And so he was ignoring that Elena part because he was, like, trying to forgive her for all the past stuff that he just wasn't even getting to the Elena stuff yet. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Damon already was like, fuck that past stuff, I don't forgive you for that. And then he had another reason. So he was like, great. Yeah. Stefan says, what, because she made some mistakes, or is it because she didn't choose poor you over Valerie? And it's like, okay, made some mistakes is really minimizing what she did, because it wasn't mistakes, it was really, like, targeted, intentional stuff she did. Yeah, she knew what she was doing, it wasn't a mistake to her. But also, 
Yeah. He can be pissed off that she didn't choose him over Valerie. I don't care that you like Valerie with your dumb ass. Mm -hmm. He can be pissed off that she was that conflicted about that. Yeah, he can be mad that that wasn't an easy choice. And also, it's not Damon's fault that she didn't chose either of them and she chose to stab herself. Yeah. And Damon says, giving her a hall pass is always her little angel. And I think a lot of this also stems from the fact Damon resents Lily because she chose Stefan over him. Mm -hmm. The first time she died, she goes and visits Stefan as an angel and doesn't say shit to Damon. Well, especially after, you know, we know Damon spent a lot of his childhood shielding Stefan Mm -hmm. from Giuseppe and from Lily. And, you know, Stefan was young, so he couldn't have known that. And it's hard to, you know, figure that out because Damon is bottling all this up in a way. But it is like, Damon's like, I spent a lot of time protecting you from this woman who is horrible to both of us. And now you are siding with her. Yeah. Whether it is picking a side or not, because he's not really picking her side, but it feels like siding with her. Yeah. And also, I don't really care if this response is childish. There's like a very childish wound that Damon has with Lily that she's done no work to mend. She did no work to mend it with Stefan either, but Stefan is like obsessed with forgiving people, Mm -hmm. which I think is a a positive quality of his for sure. And I think he needs to have that quality because he often needs to ask people for forgiveness. Yeah. So he has to like forgive people or else when he becomes a ripper, what's he going to do? I have no offense. One, not only did Damon have this childish wound that Lily didn't help mend, she was actively deepening the wound during Mm -hmm. this time that she was taking away things he cared about. Even if there wasn't retaliation to some things that Damon shouldn't have done, but still. Stefan says, you acted like a spoiled little brat, a coward. You had a chance to make things right, and you still do. And this is fucked up because deep down, at least today, I mean, Stefan has his own things with, like, he wishes Damon had said something nice to Lily. Mm-hmm. But him weaponizing this feeling right now is just because he wants Julian dead. It's not yeah. because he actually wants Damon to make any peace with his mother. He actually, I think normally Stefan would, like, let Damon come to this decision in time, knowing that if it's going to come, it'll come eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to push it because he wants him to be on the side of killing Julian. He doesn't really give a fuck about Damon healing from the death of Lily. He just wants to rush him through it so he can get him on his side to kill Julian. Well, yeah, he doesn't want to get him through the grief. He wants to get him from the denial stage to the anger stage mm-hmm. so that he can be with him on that. But the problem is, Damon's gone through a lot of emotional growth over the course of the series. Yeah. And so this doesn't work on him. Yeah. Damon says, road trip's over, bro. You want to go back and risk it? Go for it. I'm going home. He goes. We go to some car. Valerie's looking in the trunk and she picks up Stefan's fucking leather journal again. And she gets a call from Stefan and she says, please tell me this is the Julian is dead call. And Stefan says, yeah, I wish I'm headed home. Damon bailed on me. Valerie says, and here I was looking forward to leaving all of this behind me. Then help. (laughs) Then help. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I have nothing else to say. Then help. Like, uh, I wish I could put this behind me. I'm going to watch TV while you guys work on that. We've run this point into the ground, but I don't have, come on. I have nothing else to say. It seems that all she's doing is curling her hair in new ways. Yeah, she's literally, she's learning how to use a curling iron. And buying new leather jackets. She's just. You can tell in this episode, it's like when we saw Haley in the backdoor pilot. They put some extra money into her hair and costume this week because they're trying to build her up. And it's like, no, give her the cheap shit again. Yeah, you can tell they're like, okay, we're going to make her look a little nicer now that everyone knows she's like going to be a romantic lead. Stop. It's like, why'd you spend up for that leather jacket? Kill her. Kill her. Stefan says, he thinks I'm overreacting. 
Now, I just think it's very interesting because Stefan, I mean, Stefan could call a lot of people and talk about his frustrations with Damon, but he's calling the one person who he knows will tell him he's right. Yeah. Because she's also crazy, and he's doing that on purpose. Well, yeah, he's calling the one person who won't call him out on this and who will be like, no, you're right, you should kill Julian no matter what the risk is. And he knows what the right decision is because he's not calling Valerie from Sunbury. He's mm-hmm. calling her from the car. Yeah. Valerie says any reaction is appropriate when it comes to what he's done to us. I am so sick of everyone giving this monster a pass. Number one, no one's giving him a pass. But number two, I'm not trying to minimize the fact that he killed her baby. I know it's hard for her. But of course, most people aren't going out of their way to kill him. It didn't affect him the same way Mm -hmm. because it wasn't their baby. Well, and no one's giving him a pass. But Damon's like, the work and the risk of killing him is not worth it to me any longer because of what's happening right now. At least at this point. And if it's worth it to you, go ahead and do that. But he's made it clear, like, I want him dead, sure. But I mostly wanted him dead as revenge for her mom. And she's dead. So that was pretty good revenge for me. Yeah. So whatever happens to him, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Valerie says, I should have gone with you. I could have ended this. Well, uh, yep. (laughs) You said it, not me. You said it and me. (laughs) Stefan says, we still can end this. Have you seen Mary Louise? Just pull his heart out. I don't know why we're doing this. Why do we need to drag someone else into this? Just fucking kill him. And, I mean, look, I'm not, like, the number one Mary Louise fan, but do we really need to kick Mary Louise while she's down? Like, she's having a bad enough time. (laughs) Yeah, like, let her mourn her relationship in peace. Like, she's already kind of fucked up here. Yeah. And also, not for nothing, do you think this is gonna get Mary Louise on Valerie's side? No! If you're gonna do this, if you have this whole plan, let's... Let's let people know this plan, how about? Let's well, say that. Also, let's use some chains to tie her to a table. Stefan and Valerie are like, there could not be a worse team because Stefan has a lot of, you know, issues when he makes plans. Mm-hmm. And someone like Caroline or Damon or Elena or Bonnie, you know, usually picks up the slack. But unfortunately, Valerie is also stupid and they're stupid in the same way. See, and I don't think Stefan realizes how much slack people pick up in plans because it's picked up by so many different hands in different ways. So in his mind, every plan ends up working, but it's because someone else who he's teamed up with has done all the shit he didn't do. And in this one, he's like, well, it's going to work out like it always does. And then it's like, oh, I didn't think of rope. What? (laughs) What season is it? It's like, like in season one, some of these antics, I would be like, fair enough. It is season seven. You've dealt with so much worse than one vampire. Like, I'm sorry, Julian has about as much threat potential as Trevor. Yeah. Trevor got his head, like, karate chopped off. Do that! (laughs) We go over to Skullbar, I Mm -hmm. think. It might be the grill, but I think it's Skullbar. Mary Louise is drinking, and she shouts out, I've been here all day. You'd think that would earn me better service. The place looks closed. Well, I think the bartenders left her there. And you know what earns you good service? A tip, but I'm sure you're not doing that. Yeah. Stefan says, I think you've had enough. Of you? <laughs> Mary Louise says, you have no idea how poor your timing is. And Stefan says, you sure about that? You look like you could use a friend. Things with Nora didn't quite work out, did they? And <laughs> Mary Louise says, I would hold your tongue if you value its existence. And Stefan says... And I would not make threats when there's a cloaked heretic behind you. 
And then Valerie appears. She was Invisiquade. What else is fucking new with these people? Like, why not just Invisiquade Stefan and have him knock her out? Like, why did we need the whole speech? Well, why do we need a speech? Why not just walk in and stab her? She's drunk. She's not fighting. Valerie appears. She stabs Mary Louise in the neck with Vervain and says, Payback's a bitch. She's unconscious, Valerie. She didn't hear that. It wasn't a gag anyway. But I will say, to Valerie's credit, at least she knocked her out before getting her line in. Something Stefan could learn from. True. You can get your line in, even if they don't hear it, you'll still get the pleasure of saying it. And, And given how stupid these two are, like, that's kind of the most we can expect is that she knocks her out before a line gets in. That's kind of the smartest move they make all day, which is... Is a statement. It's concerning, let's say that. Stefan says, stay with her and make sure she's unconscious until Julian's dead. And Stefan goes, so number one, Valerie's still not really helping Stefan because she's not involved in the killing. But number two, she can't even handle this. Yeah, she's staying with her and helping her stay unconscious. Now, he didn't say tie her up, but (laughs) I don't think he needed to. Same. (laughs) We go back to the Whitmore dorm. Nora is in there when Bonnie comes in. But I guess they have an extra bed. Elena's not there. That bed, it's just a rotating mess of whoever is having a bad day that week. Yeah. Bonnie says, I guess it didn't go well. And Nora says, she called me a charity case. And Bonnie says, you know, why don't I get you a tissue? And Nora says, it's all right. I used one of your hideous tops. I think Bonnie dresses cute. Bonnie dresses cute. She's boho. And honestly... Of the characters, kind of the closest to Nora's style, by the way. Yeah. And if we're going to talk hideous tops, call up Mary Louise one more damn time. <laughs> like, come on. She, that bitch did not have a fashion sense. I, I, that's not fair. She had a fashion sense. It was just ugly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie says, which is now your hideous top. Hey, can I ask you what might seem like a mean question? <laughs> might as well. Nora says, fire away. It's not like I'm in a fragile state or anything. And Bonnie says, cool. <laughs> Bonnie says, awesome. Uh, what do you see in her, aside from the fact that she looks like a blonde Angelina Jolie? And it's like, okay, queen. You have something to tell me, Bonnie? <laughs> Nora said, I smell a lesbian. But someone had to ask her this. Yeah. Because it, I think we've all been wondering. Yeah. Uh, Nora says she's loving, protective, kind. And Bonnie says, but just to you. Bonnie, you've been watching the Damon and Elena antics. I know you understand this. But Elena was nice to other people. And Damon was coming around on being nice to other people. Nora says that's fair. She does always think of me first. And maybe I'm spoiled or old-fashioned, but it's nice having that one person who doesn't need anything from you. Who just loves you and thinks you're the most amazing, beautiful girl in the world. You know? Number one, not even to unpack their whole relationship, but a big issue was that that wasn't enough for Mary Louise. Mary Louise needed to not only love you, but, like, make sure that you didn't go anywhere else. Yeah, be the only one. Mm -hmm. Nora says, oh, maybe you don't know. And Bonnie Bonnie doesn't know because Julie Fleck is evil. And Enzo's in a cage! And Bonnie says, I don't need someone to tell me I'm pretty. And Nora says, nobody needs it. Doesn't mean it doesn't feel good to hear it. And then they look at each other, and it really looks like they're about to kiss. I really thought they were going to. like, And I was for it, obviously. I mean, I don't have to say that. Yeah. I don't have to explain why I wanted these two to kiss, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Nora gets up and says, thank you for today. You're a very kind person and beautiful, even if you do wear hideous tops. So she did call her pretty. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, she's laying the moves on. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. And then Nora gets a text from Julian on the way out. That says, they've taken Mary Louise hostage, I thought you should know. 
So it looks like Julian does have power over you, Nora. Unfortunately. <laughs> that was quick. And Mary Louise has power over her, too. Mm-hmm. Nora turns back and says, I guess I was wrong. And Bonnie says, what? Because, mind you, Bonnie doesn't know shit about this. <laughs> yeah. Nora says, you and your friends are not kind at all. And then Nora siphons Bonnie till she faints. So that's not great. We go over to the Salvatore house. Damon is finally settling in there. He said, you know what? Enough of this. This is getting out of hand. I'm taking this house back. And he's right. Yeah, he said, finally enough of you seem to be kind of moving on out that I, I think I can just settle in here again. Damon is sitting by the fire in his room. We can see his remodeled bathroom in the background. Yeah, I can't mistake that. He has some bourbon and he's burning some stuff in the fire. And it's like Lily's clothes and stuff. Julian enters and says, I'm sure there were places that would have loved those as a donation. Damon says, back so soon. And Julian says, tends to happen when I'm threatened. Where is she? Damon says, not exactly sure who she is. (laughs) Julian says, don't play dumb. I got your brother's text. I was told to come alone. I'm here. Where is Mary Louise? So Damon puts the pieces together and says, oh, Stefan kidnapped Mary Louise? Ballsy. Damon's like, great. So he's not giving up this plan today. Amazing. Awesome. Julian says, I just spent two hours crammed in a small metal tube flying across the country to be here. It was hell. But that is just a fraction of the hell that this sword will put you in if I don't get her back. So he really hated flying. Well, and he he had to compel the TSA to let him bring the sword on. That's obvious. But he didn't compel to get to first class. I don't think he even knew first class existed. I don't think he's been on a plane before. Yeah, he probably just said, let me on that plane and just took the first seat. Well, he said, let me on that metal tube. I don't think he even knows it's called a plane. Yeah. So, (laughs) let's walk that back. (laughs) Damon says, look, okay, you and I, we got no beef. You didn't kill my baby. I don't blame you for Lily's death. It's her own stupid fault. (laughs) And Julian says... You know, kindly do not speak that way about your mother. And Damon says, let's just stick with Lily. Mother's incidental. Julian says, right, I forgot. You don't care about your mother. Look at you not caring as you burn her clothes, attempting to erase every trace of her existence. Look, he he got it. You can be a bad villain and still get a gag in He ate that one little thing. (laughs) Damon says, I needed space in my closet. For your t-shirts, please. Nice save, Damon. Not. Not. (laughs) Julian says... See, I always knew that her love for you would get her killed. It was toxic. That's a weird conclusion. Because what really got her killed was you forcing her to prove her love for one kid over the other. Yeah. Seems like it was you, Julian, which I guess he's not ready to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, Damon says, no, her love for me was not toxic. It was non-existent. And Julian says, well, it's easier for you to think that way, isn't it? Because then you don't have to take any responsibility for her death. And Damon says, mm, she killed herself. Damon said, I'm not the one who put the stake in. She made that dumb choice alone. Julian says, because she couldn't turn her back on you. And Damon says, that's funny, because I would have had no problem turning mine on her. Julian pushes him and says, I don't know what your hell will be, but I hope she's there. Stefan enters and pushes Julian off Damon to get the sword away, and then Julian vampire runs away. Yeah, he pushes him off. So you made contact with his body, but not enough to kill him. Another interesting choice. Another week. major failure from Stefan. <laughs> we go over to the cemetery. Caroline is visiting her mom's grave with a wreath. And she says, hi, mom. It's very beautiful and sad. Mm-hmm. She says, I just realized this is going to be my first Christmas without you. That sucks. Well, that's a rough one to be without her, too. She says, I still got you something. Two somethings, actually. I will spare you the details of how, because honestly, I'm sick of talking about it, but it's happening. I'm pregnant. 
I'm not going to give you the specifics because this is pretty much my only line every episode is exposition about how this happened. Yeah, it seems like I got pregnant as an actress, which is my right to do, and now that's my entire character's personality, which seems like a, a flaw in the writing, but I guess there are too many other flaws in the writing to address before this. What can I do? <laughs> Caroline says, I used to picture us having this conversation. It looked different, obviously. I was a human, carrying my own kids, and you were alive. I know they're not mine, but they're still my responsibility, you know? And I want to, I have to, do this right. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And all I want to do is sit on our kitchen counter while you burn our dinner and ask you a million questions. God, I miss you. I'm emotional. It's snowing. It's beautiful. I always get sad for Miss Caroline. It is beautiful. And I do think... Stefan, unfortunately, does win the Worst Boyfriend Ever Award because it doesn't take a genius to, like, connect the dots that not only is Caroline dealing with this whole pregnancy thing, which is its own thing, but it's right after her mother died. Mm -hmm. And Stefan, being so obsessed with his mommy issues, should maybe, like, be aware of that. And I get that then Caroline doesn't want to put it on him, so she kind of keeps it to herself, but it's, it's not doing good. But even without, like, the pregnancy, the Julian stuff, whatever... This is her first Christmas without her mom, and essentially her first Christmas with really no living family. Yeah. And for Stefan to be so focused on himself that he doesn't even think about that is definitely concerning. And as I've been saying, and maybe this is just my Stefan Defender-ish trying to find an excuse, I think this writing is totally out of character for Stefan. Oh, absolutely. Especially the way Stefan was so deeply involved when it came to Liz's death. He would not not bring this up. He would not not be aware of this. And so it just pisses me off. Well, that's the thing. I I can understand being mad at Julian because of this baby thing. I, I don't... I know I'm already undercutting it by calling it this baby thing. <laughs> but we're tired of it. But I'm tired of it. And even with all that, like, a real accurate read on Stefan, if Stefan lost his mom, he would want to be with someone who can talk through losing their mom. He's being so vindictive and so focused on killing Julian and getting Damon to be mad and kill Julian and getting Damon to admit his faults. Yeah. Like, Stefan would want to be like, what do I do without my mom? How do I deal with this? And like, oh my God, this is what Caroline's feeling. Like, how's Caroline doing? Like, this is, how do we build family now? Like, all these questions that I think Stefan would be asking instead of being like, I need to kill this dude. No, I need to kill this dude. What's Valerie up to? I hate you. Yeah, it's, I do think it's a fault in the writing to be sure. Yeah. I think they're struggling with what to make the central story without Elena. Mm -hmm. And I think they're doing this Stefan, Damon, and Lily thing. And I think the problem is including Lily. I think they really need to focus on Stefan and Damon. Well, I think even if they're going to include Lily, I mean, we've said this so many times. It's just they did not know what they were doing with Lily. Because I do think there are so many interesting questions of, like, found family. And, you know, I've said this so many times. Like, what happens when a parent has a favorite or like protects yeah. one son over the other and like thinking about an older child versus younger child and what that relationship manifests like when you know a parent needs to protect them there are all these interesting mother-son questions they could address and even like motherhood questions that they could touch on with Lily and now Caroline and like how do you protect children and be your own person and care about love for yourself and love for your children. There's like all these really cool things they could have gotten into and they just like made one of the heretics pregnant instead. Yeah. It's like they just went to the easy option of TV writing, like let's make somebody pregnant. That's a, that's a conflict, which is like not what they're usually doing. They're usually getting more creative than like, 
the standard bucket of things. Well, and particularly because they must have known that Candace was pregnant. I don't understand why we had to have another pregnancy storyline. Because, again, I think that obstacles Sterling faces in the Caroline Alaric pregnant storyline are much more meaty than anything he's facing with Valerie's stupid-ass self. Well, I, again, I keep bringing up the idea of found family, but it's because we have these friends who have built a family of themselves. Yeah. And what happens when that family grows in some new, unexpected way? Mm-hmm. Like, that is enough of a storyline. And then you could bring in, like, you know, if you need a villain, like, maybe there's some, adja- like, some coven adjacent to the Gemini who has stock in these babies in some way or like yeah that's the other thing i think or like the gemini is such a great villain and i know that they've made it so that you know all the gemini have died you can work around that i think like following the gemini threat and i get i get that the heretics are meant to be adjacent to the gemini so i guess they tried to do this i don't know i do think there's a benefit in you know having the gemini's and then let's say all the gemini's died and now the only remaining Gemini people are siphons who were kicked out of the coven and like this new leadership of the coven. And what does that look like? But of course, then that feels almost like a spinoff. Like, what does that mean for everybody else in it? But I just think there's like, since they already brought the Gemini stuff into this season with the pregnancy stuff, I feel like that would have been something that made more sense. Like Julian is just giving nothing. Yeah. Who do you think is the worst villain? Julian or Marcos? I've been having this in my head because when I was like, oh, there's no one easier to kill, there's no worse villain, I was like, the only one in competition for any of this is Marcos. But at least Marcos had, like, a big group of people who were on his side, and at least they could do an aneurysm spell. Julian can't even do a fucking aneurysm yeah. spell. Like, at least they could do magic, and at least, like, there was the doppelganger interest. Well, at least Marcos, here's the thing, and, not, and again, not to be on my traveler's defender-ish, because it's the last place I want to be, but at at least the travelers had a goal. Now, did their goal make any sense? No. No. But they had it, and they worked towards it, and they succeeded in some way or another. Julian doesn't even have a goal except in reaction to Stefan and Damon. Because Stefan and Damon's goal is to kill Julian, and Julian's reaction is to just not be killed by them. Like, no. He has no long-term goal. Well, all the love in the world to Julian, like, I know you don't want to die. But I don't really get why. And I know that sounds mean. No, I get it, no. <laughs> but, but let me get into it. Because you don't have the love of your life. You supposedly have friends, but none of them speak. So I don't really know what that situation is. And you have to know, no matter what afterlife you end up in, it's going to be better than the Phoenix Stone. Yeah. Even if you go to hell, at least it's vague hell and not your own personally built hell. I just feel like at this point, why be alive? Why not kill yourself, Julian? Let's call it. <laughs> we go over to the Salvatore house. Stefan and Damon come downstairs and Julian is there. And Stefan says, oh, we kind of thought you ran away. Yeah. And Julian says, in my own house? Not your house. Ooh, who told you that? He says, I'm twice your age. I can take both of you. Well, good thing there's two of us, bitch. Like, <laughs> Damon says, you can certainly try. Uh, and he will, and unfortunately he will succeed. Yeah. Um, Damon throws a vase. Julian blocks it. They fight. Julian kind of gets the best of Damon. He breaks Damon's arm and then headbutts him. Mm-hmm. Headbutts him a few times. Yeah. Julian loves to headbutt people. Like, Damon, start kicking, buddy. Yeah. Julian holds the sword up to Damon and says, you know, I would have killed you on sight if it weren't for your mother. I respected her. And he, like, hits Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have killed him on sight then, Julian. I don't know what else to say. 
Stefan fights a little bit. He throws like a stake into Julian's neck and says, clearly the feeling wasn't mutual. And then Julian stakes Stefan in the stomach with wood. Mm-hmm. And Damon says, Stefan. And then Julian stabs Damon with the Phoenix Stone sword. In the hut. It appears. And Stefan says, no, but we can see like the Phoenix Stone, like, you know, it's moving. It's, it's like swirling. It's sucking the soul out of him. And Damon looks at Stefan like sadly, like, I, I sacrificed myself for you, brother. Um, and then Damon passes out. Julian says, now I'll run. <laughs> he goes. And he takes the sword. Mm-hmm. And Stefan says, Damon, now what did we learn, Stefan? Yeah, let's let's take a second to learn our lesson from this and then start thinking a little bit, you know, because he still has the sword. So what makes us think this is over, yeah. Stefan? We go over to, like, the Whitmore Hospital or something where Valerie is, like, sitting with Mary Louise's unconscious body. Mary Louise is just laying on a table. No chains, no nothing. Valerie is, like, distanced from her. So it's like, girl, I don't know what you think you're doing. Yeah, Valerie turns her back to her. Yeah, Dumb. Valerie turns her back one to look at that same fuck-ass journal. And then she hears a door open and Valerie says, oh, who's there? And she like looks out a little bit. She turns back and surprise, surprise, Mary Louise is gone. Thanks a lot, Valerie. Useless once again. Fucking stupid. So you finally help with the plan. You can't even keep the captive in. That's like the easiest part of the plan. Yeah. We go back over to the Salvador house. Stefan sits on the floor with Damon's body, and Caroline comes in and says, oh my god. They love to make Caroline walk in on one of these boys dead and be like, oh my god. (laughs) Stefan says, Damon wanted me to let it go. I should have let it go. I couldn't. Yeah, you pretty much summed it up perfectly. Yeah, I learned that one just a little too late. Caroline says, she was your mom, Stefan. And if you think it's easy to let something like that go, take it from a girl who just got back from her mom's grave. It's not. And I get why Caroline is like, oh, this must be about his mother. A, because she just got back from her mom's grave. And B, because that's what Stefan is basically implying to her. But it's not about his fucking mom. Yeah, and Stefan knows that because he's like, well, it's actually about Julian and Valerie. And so now this is looking a little vindictive in a way that wasn't necessary. Now that I'm really thinking about it. She sits with him and she says, okay, let's figure out a way to save your brother. A spooky arrangement of Silent Night starts playing because it is a Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. A spooky arrangement of Silent Night is going to hit every time. It's always going to be the vibes. It's always going to be like, ooh, what's going on? It is a Silent Night. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) And I think Silent Night is more classic. So I think when they did Oh Come All You Faithful with Class, it's like, ooh, creative. But this one, it's like, we got to do this. You get it. Yeah. And it is a Silent Night because... Damon shut the fuck up, finally. (laughs) I'm kidding. I don't want him to ever shut up. But you Uh, get it. But the joke played. We go over to Whitmore, and Bonnie is passed out on the ground. She gets a call from Caroline, and she starts to come, too. Mm -hmm. At the Salvador house, Caroline says, she is not answering. We need to call Valerie. Stefan? Mm -hmm. And Stefan is still looking at Damon. He says, he's not going to make it in there. And Caroline says, yes, he will. And Stefan says, that stone is punishment for every bad thing you've ever done. This is Damon. I don't even want to know what he's going through. And even when he says this, I'm like, if it's punishment for every bad thing he's ever done, Stefan, you better hope you don't get your ass in that stone. Yeah. Because you certainly can't handle it. Yeah. We get a little sneak peek into what we can assume is Damon's Phoenix Stone Hell because he's in the middle of the Civil War. He's got his 1864 hair and he is wearing a Confederate uniform mm-hmm. and he's laying on the ground. Uh, he's got a wound in his chest. Mm-hmm. And there's explosions and stuff, you know, Silent Night's playing. You got it. You get the vibes. Yeah, they get to do a little period piece for a bit there. Mm -hmm. We go over to the Salvatore house, and Caroline says, hey, he can survive this. And then Nora appears. She was Invisiquade, because you know know they're going to be Mm Invisiquade. She says, even if he can, he'll be different. 
And then we can see that she has the sword. So, hey, let's all be a little bit more um, reactive here. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, wear those, wear those vampire reflexes, babe. Yeah. Nora says, just like you. And then she stabs Stefan with the sword. Mm-hmm. We can see the Phoenix Stone do its magic. She leaves the sword in him and she runs away. Mm-hmm. And that is where we end the episode. So, do you think we will see both Stefan and Damon's personal hells? Yes. What are your expectations for those hells? I mean, we've seen a little bit of Damon's already, and we don't know how, you know, narrative or linear they are. So let's just hear what your expectations are. Yeah, so when Damon went in, I was like, well, this can be hard to do this without Elena, because Nina's not on the show. I'm guessing they'll show us some old clips of, like, him killing Jeremy or of him doing something bad. But I I think they'll focus more on these older times, just for ease of storyline. I think Stefan, I mean, it's Ripper Monterey time, baby. So here's my question. I want to specifically point to julian mm-hmm. says a line that's like you know i don't know what your hell's gonna be but i hope your mother is there to damon mm-hmm. do you think lily will be in damon's hell mm. probably just because we're setting it up and we know that in three years he's gonna want to apologize to her sure. so i think that's a possibility for sure and i i do want to bring up what julian said about his hell as yeah. well oh, was that too. he killed lily like mm-hmm. every every day which again they can't really do with damon because Nina's busy. But I do think that's something that's interesting. I And, you know, I just said Ripper Monterey for Stefan, but it's going to be the fucking baby, isn't it? It's going to be him watching Julian beat the baby. Um, do you think that it's repetitive, or do you think it's different things? I do you think, think it's like a Groundhog Day situation, or do you think it can mix it up? I think it can mix it up, but I think it's more likely a, a Groundhog Day of sorts. Like, maybe it's not the same day every day, but I do think... Based ends, on what, it ends the same way. Yeah, and based on what Julian says, it's like, here's something, you can never change it, it's always going to end badly. Do you think while they're in it, they are aware that they are in hell, or do you think they think they're actually living through something? I think they're probably aware they're in hell, but they still, like, or they're aware they're in the stone in some way, but they still, like, think that if they can just get through this, they can get out. Like, like if I can just kill this one thing, right, or if I can not kill this one, I'll get out. Like, I don't think they necessarily know. I, I don't think there's any sense of time. I don't think they'll know how long they're sure. in there. So what do you think Damon is going to be going through in Civil War time, specifically? Maybe he couldn't save someone in his battalion or something. Sure. Anyone in particular who we may have met before? Hmm. I'm just asking. I'm, could be, I could be totally lying. I don't think so. I was trying to think through if there was, like, when Enzo was alive or something. I think, if anything, it will be, like, maybe guilt for leaving Stefan behind at home while he's in the war and Stefan being with Giuseppe. But I think that's the most that we would get. How long do you think Stefan and Damon will be in the Phoenix Stone? I think they'll most likely be out next episode. And if not that, the the one right after. How much time do you think will pass? Do you think it's going to be like basically the next day or do you think... If it, that it's going to be like a lot of time, whether I, it's at next episode or another episode. I think at absolute maximum, like a month. Okay. But we would see it in a quicker timeline. Do you think they will be adversely affected when they are out? Or do you think it'll be like, whew, got out in time? I think Damon will more likely be like, okay, I got out. Like, I got to get past it. I was in hell. I'm past it. Uh, Stefan... I think he will be more adversely affected. And I do think the connection to the hell being related to the baby, I think that's what's going to send him over to Valerie's ass. I hope I hope that's not true. But, you know, let's keep Valerie long enough to 
get them out of the Phoenix Stone in, in their own bodies. Let's say yeah, that. Yeah, that is a plus that, you know, Valerie, we know, knows how to get someone out of the Phoenix Stone. Yeah. Bonnie knows how to get someone out of the Phoenix Stone, but not just anyone. Well, we didn't see Valerie do it with Julian, but we have to imagine she knows how. So I do think there's a possibility, we have to raise it, that they might put some other soul in one of their bodies accidentally. I hope we don't do that, because that's just a little bit of baloney. It's a little silliness, but I have to raise it. Finally, I am so pleased to tell you that we have reached the end of the Julian chapter. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Worst fucking experience of my life. (laughs) What chapter do you think is next? I'm going to tell you, it is nearly impossible for you to guess. Okay, great. And I'm actually not even confident that I'll be able to tell you it next episode. I actually don't know... If enough is revealed. Yeah, if enough is revealed for me to be able to say it. I'm guessing it's whatever we call those people that captured Enzo. Okay. I I think I made you guess some of this already, but come up with a name. Okay. I would venture to guess that they have a name that is somehow related to, like, secret societies. And I know this is because I just watched season three of Bones recently. But, like, something Freemasons adjacent that it's, like, this long-term group that they have this, like, this, like, skull and bones society bullshit. Like, that's not the name. Yeah. But something in that vein. I must mess with us because I think I asked you if you think it's Augustine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.